But there's something greater than that that I want you to understand. And maybe you've not connected the dots, but you have to become part of something bigger than yourself. See, I don't know that we put some of that stuff together. Like one of the things that I ask people to do as they come into our church is we want you to go through some personal discipleship. It's going to take about six months. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some humility. And some people sit back and say, why do I need to do that? I don't understand that. Listen, don't you think that we might have thought it through and these are the very things that you need if you're going to be successful in your Christian life? You see, but we don't put the dots together. We just look at it as a task. We look at it as an activity. But no, there's a reason behind those things that we do. We've got to connect the dots. And in your life, it is so easy for us to be spoiled Americans where we don't put it together and we don't understand what God's trying to do, even in our own lives, so that we can grow and be all that God wants us to be. Because I'll, I'll guarantee you that a selfish Christian never gets done what needs to be done. Somehow you're going to have to break through that. Somehow you're going to have commitment. Somehow you're going to have to learn to study God's Word. You're going to have to learn to put these things in our life. You see, we think it's really cute when we have a, a, a child up here who, who memorizes Scripture, but God forbid somebody ask us to memorize the Scripture. Don't you think you need that more than the child? Or as much as. we got to put it together. We've got to make those connections. Listen, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be talking and continue to talk in the book of Ephesians about unleashing the church and what it means for us to unleash the church on this world. But here's the thing, guys. If we don't connect the dots, if we don't start putting these things together, there is no way that we're going to be powerful enough to truly unleash on this world. Right? Right? So we're looking at Ephesians. We went through the first half of Ephesians. And this is the thing that we learned in the, in the first half of chapter 1. Is that God has blessed us with all types of spiritual blessings from on high. He's given us knowledge and understanding. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit by which we can accomplish all these things. And listen, we can't sit back and not connect those dots. We talked about Michael Jordan last week, right? Um, And the fact that he's got a God-given ability to play basketball. But listen, wouldn't it be a shame if, if, if when that talent was realized that he decided, well, I'm not going to play anymore. He comes to that place and he realizes that he's got a God-given ability. Something that that nobody else has. Better than anybody else. But he says, nah, I don't want to play. You know, I think that's exactly what happens a lot of times in Christians' lives. Is that we sit back and we don't understand the blessing that we have. We don't understand the spiritual gifts that we have. We've not connected the dots that God said, I have endowed you and blessed you with all spiritual blessings up on high. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, so that you can be unleashed upon this world. And we don't connect the dots. And we find ourselves... Struggling in our own misery, not having purpose or having the wrong purpose, instead of really using our spiritual gifts for what God wants us to. I love this passage here when you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15. Here's what it says It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all saints, I do not cease to give uh, thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so Paul, uh, as, as the uh, church planter uh, in, in the, the town of Ephesus, he just begins to, to tell them a couple of things. He talks about their faith. 
he talks about their love. And earlier and later in this passage, he's going to talk about their hope. Listen, do you realize that the Bible tells us that those three things are really what make us different than anybody else on the face of the planet? Here's what 1 Corinthians says. I don't have this up here. I'm just going to read it. It says, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. These three things are what you need. Faith, hope, and love. If you will implement those things in your life, if you'll live by faith, if you'll have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will love the way that God loves, your world will be changed and you will change the world around you. But I don't think we understand that in our own lives. How many of us are actually living by faith? How many of us are actually living in the hope of the resurrection? How many of us are actually living by love? You know, the Bible says when we have love one toward another... Uh, that the world will know that we are the disciples of Christ. Are you loving your brother? Are you loving your sister in Christ? Are you loving this lost world? You say, well, they don't deserve to be loved. Listen, they deserve to be as lo loved as much as you do. Everybody deserves the love of God as much as you do. We've got to connect the dots. The dots. So here's what I want to talk about first. I want, I want you to kind of think of a production line. If we're, if we're going to have hope for this world. And if we're going to give hope to this world, let me stop for a second. How many of you guys have ever felt hopeless? That means there's no answer, right? There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing that can, can fix whatever the problem is. And listen, there are times when we're hopeless and we find ourselves on our knees and we're saying, oh God, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what the answers are. I don't know the ABCs and the one, two, threes to get me out of this thing. All I know is, is that you love me and you can do all things and I put my hope in you. That's, that's really all you can do sometimes. Everybody feels hopeless. But listen, as a Christian, we have an everlasting hope. And I want you to think about how are we going to produce this hope? How does this hope come about in our life? And I want you to kind of think of a production line because those three things, faith, hope, and love, are all going to work together. So we're going to start with faith because that's where uh, Paul starts here in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse number 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Here's the first thing that I want you guys to understand about the scripture. That faith is taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. Now, if I were to make a poll today and we were to talk about how much of God's word that you understand or how much of God's word that you know, I am absolutely blown away by the fact that people think they know God's word. They think that they understand it. They think they have a handle on it. But the truth is, we're like a five-year-old kid or, or, or even a two-year-old kid trying to tie our shoe, and, and we don't know how to do it. But yet, we're determined that we're going to do it on our own. And you've got that pride, and you've got mom and dad, they're saying, listen, we got to go. Let me tie your shoe. Let me, let me do that. No, I'm going to do it. And they're crying, you know, and they're trying to get the rabbit to go through the hole, and they're trying the whole thing, and they just can't get it. You know what I mean? But that pride, man, I tell you what, that pride takes out so many people. And if we would ever humble ourselves and say, wait a minute, I need to learn to live by faith. Now, 
there are some people that will think you're absolutely crazy when you talk about living by faith because they don't understand. They think that your faith has no substance. They think that you're wishing upon a star. Well, you just got to have faith. How many of you ever heard that before? Anybody? Nobody's heard that before? You just got to have faith. What, what does that mean? Right? I need my electricity bill paid. Well, you just got to have faith. What, what does that mean? Uh, my, my child is going the way of the world and I don't know how to... Well, you just got to have faith. My marriage is falling apart. I don't know what to do. Well, you just got to have faith. Listen, I think we got to get over this, this faith that has no substance because that's not the faith in which we live. We live faith based upon facts. Faith based upon facts. That's what this whole thing is about. Where do you get your facts from? We get it from the Word of God. It's the Word of God that tells us how to raise our kids and to save our marriages and to run our finances and all the things that go on in our life. Your faith needs to have some substance to it. It needs to be based on the Word of God. That's why we're constantly trying to cram it down your throats. I'm just being honest with you because I'm telling you right now, if you don't have the Word of God, you're not going to have any faith. And if you do have faith, it's not going to be based upon fact. It's not going to help you. You got to have faith. But what's that faith based on? It's God's word. It's the scriptures. Let's talk about hope for a second. Well, I hope it all works out. You ever hear that? Well, I hope I get a better job. You see, that's not the kind of hope that we're talking about either. We're talking about a hope that is secure because of faith. You see, here's the thing. You can, you, you can hope and you can wish for things, but that's not what we're doing. Listen, I'm not hoping that whenever I pass from this life that I'm going to go to heaven. Man, I hope I make it. See, that's not the kind of hope that I have. The hope that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ is that God said, listen, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you so that you can be where I am. See, my hope is based in Jesus Christ, in the faith that I have in His Word. It has substance. It has meaning. It's going to happen. Not just because I hope so, but because God said so. Man, if we could just grab a hold of that hope. Listen, I'm telling you what, that hope, that kind of hope has a whole lot of handles on it. Your wishful hoping is slippery. It might work out, it might not, it might do this, it might do this. Listen, no, that's not what we want. We want to come back to the Word of God, the faith that we have in the Word of God, and say, wait a minute, I know what God has promised me. I know what God has said. I'm going to live in the hope of the glorious resurrection of my Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this thing is about. Listen, some of you guys, in all honesty, you're, you're struggling in your lives today, and you've lost sight of the hope that is within you. You've lost sight of the fact that God has never left you nor forsaken you. That everything that he's been doing in your life, wait, I think there's a scripture for that. It goes something like this. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody ever heard that? Do you believe that? Do you understand 
We say, well, you don't know the struggles. You don't know the times. And listen, I could take you through all kinds of, of scriptures. I could take you through the life of Joseph where he's thrown into a pit and left for dead, where he's sold into slavery, where he's cast into prison because of something he, he didn't do and spent years in prison. And listen, then God showed up and God said, wait, all these things were a setup to get you where I needed you to be for such a time as this so that you could save your brothers. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's in Genesis, starting chapter 35. You'll get it all. Here's what I'm saying. God knows what he is doing. And he knows what he's doing with you. And there's that element where you have to have faith in him. Not a faith that's based upon some kind of fables, but faith that's based upon facts of what God has said. Listen, you know the, the reason why I follow the Bible? I consider myself to be a pretty smart guy. I'm not the smartest guy, but I'm pretty smart. I don't like to be duped. Anybody with me? Uh, like when I go to car dealers, my brother used to be a car dealer. When I go to car dealers, I'm just like, bring it on, man. You're not going to dupe me. And they, they usually do. But anyway, I, I don't like it. You, you, you know what I mean? I have searched the scriptures. Listen to me. All my life, I have lived by the principles of God's word. All my life. And do you know how many times that the scriptures have steered me wrong? Do you know how many times that the scriptures have been inaccurate or false? Never. Zero. Do you know that all the prophecies that God has made in the Bible, they have come true a hundred percent of the time. A hundred percent of what God has said has come true. Listen, you can talk about Nostradamus, you can talk about anybody you want to talk about. Do you realize that Nostradamus is, he's one of those, those famous uh, prophetic people? Listen, do you realize that his, his degree of accuracy is about 14%? And the Bible, God's word, is 100% accurate from the day of its conception until now and forevermore. It's 100% accurate. Listen, so if God says to me, I will come again and receive you so that where I am, there you may be also, I'm packing my bags, man. I'm ready to go because God's going to do what God said he's going to do. It's a faith that's based upon fact. It's a hope that do, it's not wishy-washy. It doesn't come and go. It's as steady and as firm as God himself. That's the hope that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go a little bit farther in the scriptures. Because not only, not only is, um, is, is hope uh, produced in the factory of faith, but hope is packaged in the knowledge of God. And I want you to grab this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, it says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. I want you to grab hold of that little piece right there. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Does your, eyes have, does your heart have eyes? What is he talking about there? He says, listen, this is what I want. I want you to get it, not on the outside. It's not that I just want you to read it in a book. He says, I want you to get it in your heart. I want you to see it from the inner man, from that spiritual man, from that one who interacts with God. 
Not this old fleshly thing, but on the inside, I want you to grab hold of it. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Listen, I really do believe that some of you this morning, you need to connect those dots. You need to understand the blessing of your salvation. You need to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. That he's made you a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And no one can take you away from God. Get these facts in your life so that you can sustain and withstand the, the trials of this life. Because they are many. And they come quickly. And they come hard. But God is your rock. God is your strong tower. Unmovable. Unshakable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. This is who we are as Christians. We just got to connect the dots. So this hope is packaged up in this knowledge. The eyes of our, the eyes of our heart being enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Listen, you know what I'm looking for? And I see this all the time, and you'll begin to see it too. Is as people really start to understand the scriptures. That, that Sunday is really not even the issue any longer. Because I don't care what day you worship on. We come collectively here together to learn God's word and to be encouraged for what's happening. But listen, there's been times in my quiet time where I'm reading the scriptures. And all of a sudden, bing, the light bulb comes on. I'm just like... Whoa. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden you understand something that you've never understood before about God. And literally, I remember there have been times reading my scriptures. It's like the Holy Spirit just kind of leaned over my shoulder and said, hey, let me show you something. And he gives me this truth. And listen to me. It's so overwhelming and profound that it drives me to my knees. And I say, oh God. That you would speak to me. That you would say something to me. It blows my mind. That you would teach me something. Bing! All of a sudden that light goes off. If you've not had those kinds of experiences with the Lord, listen, get with a mentor. Let somebody teach you God's word. You're missing out, man. This relationship that we have with God is not a Sunday relationship. It is a personal relationship. Every moment of every day, a steadfast hope that never goes away. This message is so, um, I'm sorry for being emotional. I shouldn't even talk about this because it'll make it worse. I'm emotional this morning because this might be the last week for my dad. Sorry. He's been struggling for a while. This might be the last week. And although I'm sad about that, because any time that you have that separation, it's hard. But I know this. My dad loves Jesus. And Jesus loves my dad. They have a personal relationship that I have known all of my life. I have no doubt. Listen to me. I have no doubt that when my father passes from this life, that I will see him again. For he and I will be together in heaven. Not because of the good works that he's done, but because of the relationship that he has with Jesus. 
and I have that same relationship. And we will spend eternity together in Christ. This is the hope and the foundation. This is when the scriptures become reality. You see, because you can talk about it in the good times, right? You can talk about it in the times when you're not having any problems. But listen, there are going to come times in your life where you need God to be faithful to his word. You need God to come through where you can't come through because listen, I can't fix it. There's nothing I can do about it. But I have this. I have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ and and the power of the resurrection. I know that it's going to happen. That's what Christianity is all about. Can I simply say this? It's not a game. This is not a game. This is not some kind of religious activity. This is the hope of the world. Without Jesus, we have no hope. We have no hope. I don't understand how people go through life without the blessings of God. Some of you guys have experienced the same thing. You shared these tears with me. Not just because you're sorry for me, but you know what I'm feeling. You understand. And it's in those moments where God just wraps his arms around you and says, don't forget what I said. Don't forget what I told you. Don't forget that I'm still as strong as I was yesterday. I'm here for you. And so I praise and I thank God. In the midst of the tears, I thank God that I don't have to worry about my dad. I don't have to worry about those things. Because my God is faithful and my hope is sure in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yours can be too. Yours can be too. It's all based upon what the Bible says. You know, I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. It says this, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Our Lord has got this thing. And he's going to have it. Listen, I, I, I want you to understand this. Um, when we talk about the hope of the resurrection, I love this next phrase. Look at your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 19. This is what it says. It says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So in asking that question, he says, What is that, what is that awesome power that we're talking about? Listen, what is it that makes us different than other people of the rest of the world or all the other religions of the world? What is that power? And he goes on and he says, he says, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now here's what you've got to understand. This was written in sometime around 56 AD, right? Jesus died in 30 AD. There are still people walking around on the earth that saw Jesus after he had come out of the grave. Eyewitness accounts of the things that had happened. And Paul is not talking about some kind of a fable 2,000 years ago. He's talking about something that happened in his lifetime just a few years ago where people still know that Jesus actually came out of the grave. You know what we've done? We've covered up the resurrection with the Easter bunny. Listen, some of our kids are more interested in the Easter bunny than they are in the fact that a guy actually walked out of the grave three days later. 
You know what I'm trying to say? There's some power in our hope. It's the power to raise people from the dead. How do we know that that really exists? Is that just some kind of a fable that we're following? No, here's how we know how it exists. Because it actually happened. Jesus came back from the dead. If you believe that, can you just give me a shout? Say amen. Amen. Something. He came back from the dead. I can't get over it. I can't. I've never seen it. You know, uh, they make movies about it, but I've never seen it. You ever seen anybody come out of the grave? Listen, when we were in uh, Texas, there was a church that wasn't too far from us um, that their pastor died. They took his coffin, and I am not exaggerating when I say this. They took his coffin and they stuck it in the middle of the church. And they began to pray. And they began to ask God to raise him from the dead. Day after day after day. You know what happened? Nothing. Except for he started to stink. I mean, truthfully. Now, listen, God, God, God's not raising people from the dead just at your command. But he has the power to raise people from the dead just as he did Jesus. And if he has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, here's the kicker, he has the power to raise you. God said, listen, I'm not even going to just try to just tell you about that because many of you would not believe. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some living proof. Jesus Christ raised again from the dead. Do you realize that you cannot go over to Jerusalem and find the body and bones of Jesus? You can go over there. You can find a temple that's built on the site in which his grave used to be. But it's empty. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that he walked on this earth 40 days and 40 days later he ascended up into heaven. He was caught up into heaven and and, and went to be with God to sit at his right hand and waits on the command to come and to get us in that living hope. Our hope in the resurrection is so powerful and I want you guys to grab hold of this. So uh, there's a couple of scriptures that I want you to turn to. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's seven little books right in the middle of the New Testament. And you've got 1 and 2 Thessalonians. So see if you can find 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It says this. It says, But we we do not want you to be uh, uninformed, brothers. Listen, here's why I'm preaching this message today. We got to connect the dots. We got to understand how powerful that God is in our lives and what God is doing through us. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed when it comes to the things of God. Here's what he says. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers. He says, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as, as others who have no hope. Like I said, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine people without God where there is no resurrection. Or God forbid that their resurrection be to the great white throne where they're going to be judged for their sin. See, because that's what happens without God. With Christ, if you're in Christ, He has paid for your sin on the cross. Amen? But if you don't have Christ, then you have to pay for your own sin. And I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but there's actually seven resurrections that happen in the Scriptures. It's not just one resurrection. And it's not just this moment when we're caught up to ever be with the Lord. There are seven different resurrections. One of those resurrections is the dead who don't have Christ, who stand before God, and they give answer for these things that are done in this body. 
Because they don't have the blood of Jesus Christ covering their sins. Listen, I'm telling you that the, the, the immeasurable hope that we have in Jesus is that he has paid for all of your sin. When you stand before God, you stand clean before God because of Jesus. Let's read on a little bit more. He says, For since we, have, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, though Jesus... Uh, uh, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. Now, think about that. Paul's not just saying, I'm making stuff up. What he's saying is, according to God's word. My faith is based in fact. He says, Here, here's, what, here's what the Lord has told us. According to God's word, verse 16, he says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the, with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who, who are left will be caught up uh, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Listen to me. I believe that that prophecy is going to happen in our lifetime. I believe that there is coming a day when the trumpet will sound and the archangel of the Lord will, will raise his voice and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain will be caught up to ever be with the Lord. What an amazing thing that's going to be. I'm excited about it. I'm absolutely excited about it. You say, well, there's so many things to go on. Listen, there's nothing going on down here on the earth that you're going to miss. I'm telling you. Nothing. Because that relationship with God is the very reason why you were created. Why would you miss anything when that's the goal? I love it when it says in Colossians chapter 3, it says, set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. If you've then been risen with Christ, if you're risen with Christ, you need to change your mindset. You need to start thinking about heavenly things. You need to get your relationship on God because that's what's going to last for all of eternity. A couple of things as we... Continue to close up here. I want you to take your Bibles and I want to go to, go to another place. 1 Corinthians. Try to find 1 Corinthians. I'll give you just a second to get there. Here's what I want you to understand. The resurrection brings the hope of salvation to the world. If you don't have the resurrection, if you don't understand the resurrection, then we're miserable. What are we doing? What are, what are we living for? What's it all about? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 19. Now listen, there were some people, even in Paul's day, that they were saying, I don't get it, I don't understand, what are you talking about? This guy coming back from the dead, we don't believe that. We don't believe that that actually happened. And so Paul is now arguing with the church of Corinth, and he's trying to tell them, let me give you the ammo that you need as you're talking to these individuals that say there is no resurrection. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So if there is no power, think about this with me. If there is no power to raise people from the dead, if God doesn't actually do that, here's what he says. He says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. I'll be honest with you. My attitude toward my dad would be completely and totally different if I did not believe in the resurrection power and the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I would be beside myself. I'd be dismayed because I might have one week left to ever see my father again. Change my whole perspective. But that's not the truth. For Christ did rise from the dead. And he does have the power to raise us from the dead as well. Verse number 19 says this, If in Christ we have no hope in this life only, we are all of all people most to be pitied. I'll be honest with you. If we don't get this truth down, we might as well pack this thing up and go home. This is a sham. This is a joke. We're, we're spending way too much time, talent, and treasure to pull this off if we don't believe in the hope of the resurrection. The resurrection not only gives salvation to the world, but it gives a reason to live today. Going on in verse number 20, it says this, but in fact, I love that. See, our faith is based in fact. He says, but in fact, Christ has raised from the dead. So before we go any farther, we we don't need to be pitied because we have the answer for life. And I'm not talking about just life here on this earth, but I'm talking about life forever and ever and ever. We will always be with God because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world needs to know that. The world needs to know that in the midst of all this misery, in the midst of all this struggle, there is a faith, there is a hope that is everlasting. And His name is Jesus. For he is, in fact, raised from the dead. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 32. As you just go down a little bit farther, he says this. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts in Ephesus? And if you read through the life of Paul, he he struggled all kinds of things. Beatings, um, enslavement, uh, shipwrecked. You name it, he went through it for the gospel's sake. He said, why would I go through all that if the dead are not raised? This is what Paul says. He said, listen, if people don't raise again from the dead, if there is no power in the gospel that we preach, if there is no power for God to to, to raise you from the dead, then let's do this. Let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Why in the world are we going through all of this struggle in our life? Let's just do whatever we want. I'm going to say this. I don't think my dad would care at this point. My dad was a smoker all of his life. Smoker all of his life. Loved Jesus. I'll be honest with you, he loved Jesus. Truthfully, some of the reasons why he's in the situation that he's in now is because he indulged in smoking. It is what it is, right? So here's the thing. I'm at the hospital yesterday, right? You know what my dad says to me? He says, if that doctor tells me that I'm dying, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Do you know what he's saying? Let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Do you understand what I mean? If that's the case, listen, don't put up with this sham. Don't put up with this whole thing that's, that's happening here. But if you believe as I believe, and if you understand the facts, the facts are that there was a man 2,000 years ago that walked out of the grave and has the power to raise you from the dead, then we have something to live for today. 
We have, we have a, a, a hope to share. We have a church that needs to be unleashed upon this world because there are a lot of people that are dying and they don't know that God would save their soul and that they could live for all of eternity because we haven't yet been unleashed because we've not yet connected the dots. We don't understand that that's us today. So I want everybody to just bow your heads for a moment. I want you to just think about what we're talking about today. I want you to bow your head. Nobody looking around. Listen, i got to ask you a very serious question this morning. Do you have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ living in your heart? Now that's going to look one of two ways. Some of you have never experienced what I'm talking about. Maybe this is brand new information to you. You say, come on, we live in Georgia. We live in in America. Everybody's heard this. No, I'm telling you, not everybody lives in this kind of hope. And if you don't understand this morning that Jesus Christ has saved your soul, that He wants to save your soul, that He has the power to save your soul, then listen, today is your day of salvation. You say, what do I got to do? The Bible says that you must believe that you must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that He paid for your sin, and you must receive and bring Him into your heart. You know what my prayer is? That the eyes of your heart would be opened today. That you would understand the blessing of salvation. Listen, the reason why I preach before you today and share tears before you today is because I want you to have the same hope that I have. And you can have it. God loves you just as much as He loves me. God died for you through Jesus Christ just as much as He died for me. But listen, the only difference between you sitting there this morning and me is I just received it. Somebody told me about it already. I received it into my heart. I have a relationship with God and I want you to have that same relationship this morning. I wonder if there would be somebody here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, I don't want to see anybody looking around, that you would just say, Pastor, I don't think I ever have had that relationship. I definitely don't have that strength and that hope that you're talking about. And I'm praying about that. I want you to pray for me. I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody that would just raise up a hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand up. Amen. You can put it back down. That's all I want. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Listen, God sees. God knows. Amen. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. I see that hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else before I pray? I appreciate your honesty. Listen, this is what this thing is all about. Today is the day of salvation. 